It's that bizarre time of year again where the Vatican decides it needs to play kissy face with the acolytes of Luther. The statue of Luther was out again in Rome, and it looks like it's made out of that cheap Halloween wax candy that the worst trick-or-treating candy was made out of when I was a kid. I guess that's appropriate given that Protestant Reformation Day is upon us. And it's stories like this of Luther back in Rome that always vindicates traditional Catholics whose critique is essentially that the ape of the church runs Rome these days, and has for quite some time. For no other time in history would this have been acceptable. And yet, here we are. This all works rather well with the stories we have today, of word that at least some of the prelates in the Vatican regret Traditionis Custodis and how harsh it was, and it all leads to a basic question. The new evangelization seems to mean that we treat the acolytes of arch-heretics far better than we treat our own fellow Catholics. Is that the case? Here's but one example. Earlier in the season, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordeleone had announced that he was going to participate in the annual Samoran Pontificum Pilgrimage, which celebrates the now-repealed motu proprio of Benedict XVI that recognized that the traditional Roman liturgy that dates back in some form to the fathers of the church was never really abrogated. Why in the aftermath of Traditionis Custodis this pilgrimage still happens is something I don't quite understand, but I'm willing to be educated on it. But regardless, Archbishop Cordeleone had announced his participation in the event. Then he changed his mind. Headline from Gloria TV. Last minute, Archbishop cancels participation in the Samoran Pontificum pilgrimage. Given his recent recalcitrance to being associated with the Latin Mass, we can easily see that he has some discomfort with this whole topic. From the short article, quote, It seems the cancellation happened in the very last minute. This is the first time there will be no bishop or cardinal participating in the pilgrimage. End quote. And it is Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione that dropped out of it, as you can plainly see, if you're watching this on YouTube. There is a real fear among some of the hierarchy that Traditionis Custodis will drive traditional Catholics out of the church. That's nonsense, nonsense on stilts, though I do think that what may do that to a much smaller degree is the treatment of trads as something other than faithful members of the church. Ostracization has a real effect on people, makes them question things like the indefectibility of the church, and other things that would never even cross their minds. I doubt most of you listening are in any danger of this. I'm certainly not, but I can easily see this becoming a problem, and I'm not the only one either. Apologies in advance, but we're about to delve into Poland and, and at least one very Polish name here that I'm going to struggle with. So that having been said, headline from a Polish outlet called Gosk.pl. Cardinal Nick's about Traditionis Custodis during Ad Limina visit. The congregation admitted that the matter was resolved too harshly. That headline is clearly the understatement of 2021 in the church. For those not familiar with what an Ad Limina visit is, it is when the bishop's conference of a particular country meets with the pope as a group, and sometimes one-on-one -on -one when possible. They happen every few years, and the pope is pretty much always making these meetings because of the sheer number of bishops and cardinals in the church. During the Polish Ad Limina visits, allegedly the Vatican admitted that Traditionis Custodis was too harsh. Let's take a look. First, the interviewer asks the cardinal about which dicasteries the Polish Conference of Bishops met with, and he is told that they met with the various ones relating to the liturgy and the life of priests and religious. Then this, quote, in the liturgical congregation, the discussion on the Tridentine liturgy was very interesting. The bishops asked questions, especially related to parish churches, in which the liturgy could possibly be continued, as well as extending the possibility of celebrating it, the traditional Latin Mass, in accordance with the modu proprio, Traditionis Custodis. 
should such a need arise in Poland in the future. On the one hand, the congregation admitted that the matter was resolved too harshly, and that instead of serving unity in individual cases, it could lead to someone leaving the church because his needs were not met. On the other hand, the will to interpret the motu proprio broadly was expressed, more in spirit than in the letter of the law. We are waiting for the promised guidelines on this topic. End quote. Now that's interesting. The possibility of loosening up traditionis custodis' draconian restrictions in order to meet the needs of the individuals. This is a purely modernist response, since modernists are always concerned with individual faith experiences over the objective reality of the faith, hence their talk here about people having their needs not being served. But in this case, we'll take advantage of it. I mean, why not? The problem is that no one should trust the modernists at all on this, especially where it concerns the preservation of the liturgy, while they are allowing all manner of heterodox liturgical novelties to flourish and be expanded upon, including the development of what can only be described as a Pacamama rite of mass. What comes next, though, isn't surprising. What was driving this restriction on the traditional liturgy? Fear of Vatic a rejection of Vatican II, of course. Quote, The general rule is that Priests who under Benedict XVI had permission to celebrate the Tridentine liturgy should have them. On the other hand, new young priests who would like to celebrate this liturgy must apply to the Holy See with a written request for permission to be by ritual to celebrate the liturgy in two rites. The Holy See wants this matter under control. He, meaning Francis, does not say no to the Tridentine liturgy as such, but is cautious because in some countries, America, the UK, France, Canada, of the world, it is tied to an anti-Vatican II ideology that rejects the Second Vatican Council. When it comes to the meeting in the Pontifical Council for the New Evangelization, we talked a lot not so much about the New Evangelization itself, because no one had any doubts that it was necessary today. The questions were more about how in detail this New Evangelization should look like so as not to become a word repeated too often, a slogan, what the content is behind it, end quote. I'm impressed that they are concerned about the new evangelization, not that a new evangelization was ever really needed. The old one was working fine. It's more of an issue of the church and what it stands for in our time not being respected by the alleged members of the church to such a degree that they just leave in large numbers. Parishes are shrinking. And why? Because when the faith is indistinguishable from the world, why would someone stay in the church? The faith sells itself to people. History proves that. And when we're told that being Catholic is just as good as as or efficacious for salvation as any other uh, loosely defined Christian path, there's a problem. What is needed is a break between the church and the world and the faith. The real deposit of the faith needs to be taught without reservation by people who love the faith and have a gift for teaching it. Whether people will stay or not is up to them at that point. But what does the new evangelization mean when clearly the powers that be in Rome intensely dislike those who seem to love the faith more than anything else? When they ostracize them, when their response to critiques that what is being taught now doesn't jive with the deposit of the faith is to simply dismiss people, or worse, to call them rigid and neo-neo-Pharisees, what does that say about the entire project of the post-conciliar church? Which brings me back to that statue of Luther in Rome. Headline from Vatican News. Pope Francis, listen to the melody of God in your lives. Pope Francis welcomes a group of young Lutherans on an ecumenical pilgrimage from Germany to Rome. 
three months after the hammering of the Latin Mass, a virtual ban of it by a thousand tiny cuts, and after a summer and early fall of many of the modernist bishops railing against traditional Catholics, we are all treated to the sight of Paca Papa Francis greeting the modern acolytes of Luther to the Vatican. Quote, Singing unites. The Holy Father took up the musical theme in his remarks to the pilgrims, saying, Singing unites, and explaining that, in the choir, no one is alone. It is important to listen to others. Pope Francis said he desired this willingness to listen for the church, which is learning it anew in the synodal process. He encouraged the pilgrims to also listen for the melody of God in their own lives, calling on them to open not only their ears, but also their hearts. Whoever sings with an open heart, he said, already touches the mystery of God, perhaps without even realizing it. This mystery, he said, is love, the love that in Jesus Christ finds its splendid, full, and unique sound. And this, he said, is also how ecumenism takes place, not only in Germany, but throughout the world. The 2021 ecumenical pilgrimage has as its motto, With Luther to Rome, <laughs> and is intended to help pilgrims get to know Rome and their faith from a new perspective. It is focused on the elements that unite Christians, the obstacles that have already been overcome in the journey to unity, and the challenges that must still be faced. It is the second time the group has come to Rome, with the group meeting previously with Pope Francis in 2016. On that occasion, the Holy Father invited the pilgrims to be witnesses of mercy, and to continue to get to know one another, to pray and help one another, and to assist those in need. In this way, he said, free from prejudice and trusting only in the gospel of Jesus Christ, proclaiming peace and reconciliation, you will be the true protagonists of a new season, this journey, which, with God's help, will lead to full communion. End quote. Once upon a time, the church expressly forbid this sort of behavior. You'd be excommunicated for it, or at least it was a mortal sin, you'd have to go to confession. Fascinating. Peace and reconciliation, though, for the acolytes of Luther. But what about for traditional Catholics? As Bishop Athanasius told John Henry Weston's website back in the summer after the release of Traditionis Custodis, when asked what he thought of the title, he responded, quote, My initial impression was of a shepherd who, instead of having the smell of his sheep, is angrily beating them with a stick, end quote. Now, seeing the acolytes of Luther being treated with kindness and compassion, that is the only description that fits, and it's a sad day, but in the end we should not worry, because their reaction, the reaction of the modernists to the rising tide of tradition in the church, indicates that they know their new advent of modernism is falling apart, so they took drastic measures. Rarely do these kinds of measures work, and they probably won't this time, so stay rigid and cling to the certainties of the faith, despite what Francis might have to say on the matter. Your eternity may well depend on it. What do you think of all this? Are the Polish bishops correct in their assessment that Traditionis Custodis may push a few people out of the church, or are they more likely to get pushed into the waiting arms of the SSPX, who are already expanding in Poland, have just gangbusters vocations numbers, I'll probably talk about that next week, and are more than prepared to preserve Catholicism on their own if need be, at least for the time being? Let me know in the comments, please, and like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.